been an interesting couple weeks. Um, I've had like a couple days in each of the last couple weeks has just been just been tough. Uh, I don't know if we have any boxing fans in the house, any fans of pugilism. I love the word pugilism, just because fighting. And uh, boxing used to be awesome, and I used to, we used to love like Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. And Mike Tyson had the most vicious two-punch combo ever, a- and it was just nasty. And what he would do is he would get in tight, and he would, he would do a, a body shot. And the body shot would cause his opponent just to lean over enough that he would do body shot uppercut. And the majority of his knockouts were through that combination. Body shot, uppercut, because they would just lean just a little. And there's times this week I felt like that. I felt like I got the body shot, then I got the uppercut. And I praise God that nothing knocked me out. But there's times we're going to have difficulties. There's times we're going to walk in difficulties. There are times the enemy is going to land the punches. Period. We're not immune from that. We're not immune as followers and believers in Jesus. We are not immune from difficulty. We are not exempt from hard times. We're not. We're never promised that. Anyone who teaches that we're exempt from that is wrong. In fact, we're even encouraged in the word of God saying you will have difficulties. You will endure trials. You will walk out hardships. So where does our help come from? Where do we look for peace when we don't have peace? Where do we look for calm when we find ourselves in the midst of the storm? Where do we look for hope when you're like, how do you generate hope? Lord, I'm hopeless. How do I? I can't generate hope. Where do we look? Where do we look for our answer? And what escape? And what escape do we think our peace will come? Because we all have our own escape, right? And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm I'm thankful for the escapes I have. But the escapes are insufficient. Who is that person we look to to be our savior? And I'm, I'm talking about people. Who's that person we run to before we run to Jesus? Who's that person we reach out to before we reach out to Jesus? Because that's a person we think, at least in some ways, will be a savior to us because we reach out to them for save, to help, to strengthen before we reach out to the one who saves, who helps, who strengthens. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Psalm 121, which is the same verse that Kim just read. And I love that because Kim had no idea what I'm preaching on. I, I, I don't share what I'm preaching on. Like, I, I rarely, I just don't. I, like, I just, I'm like, ah, let's just see what the Lord does. And so there's times in praise and worship when a song or a word comes forth and it has to do with what I'm preaching. I'm like, yes, Lord, you're just tying these things together. That's amazing. And, and when Kim did that, I just started smiling. I was over there just smiling, going, Lord, you're so good. And we're going to look at this song that's found in Psalm 121. And we're going to look at the lyrics. And in so doing, I want us to see that we're not the only ones who lack answers. We're not the only ones who cry out and are in need of help. Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where shall my help come? 
So where does your help come from? Where do we go to get help? Uh, a lot of times we think, and, and I'm included in this, we think, hey, maybe, maybe I can find peace in, in, in nature. We live in Colorado. We live in the mountains. Maybe, maybe I can just get, I can go for a walk, or I can go for a bike ride, or I can drive up to the mountains, and, and maybe I can, I can find peace there. And, and the outdoors are an incredible way to, to clear our heads. So yeah, I'll look to the mountains. Surely something so huge and majestic and timeless and immovable will help. And so we see this question posed right here in Psalm 121. Where do I, where do I, I look to the mountains. I lift my eyes up. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Nature is very reasonable, a very reasonable place to try and look, but it's not reliable. It, it might be something that helps us catch our breath, but it doesn't uplift our soul to the way that sustains. So what is completely reliable? Next verse. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I love the way that the Passion Translation communicates this. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 again in the Passion. I look up to the mountains and hills longing for God's help. But then I realize that our true help and protection is only from the Lord, our creator, who made the heavens and earth, the one who made the mountains. So how often do we do this? How often do we look to uh, something created for the help instead of the creator? How often do we look to creation to be our answer, creation to be our help, instead of looking to the creator? It's interesting. This week, Kara went to the mountains. It's Friday. She, she got in the car, loaded up her, her bike, went up, rode 20 miles up in Breckenridge, and she's like, okay, well, now I've been up here so long, I'm going to hit traffic, so I'm going to grab dinner up here. I'm going to grab coffee. You know, I'll, I'll be back down later tonight. And, and it was wonderful for her. But here's what was wonderful for her was in this place of being in the mountains, she called out to the Lord. She talked to the Lord. She communed with the Lord. This week, I, I, I took a walk, and it was pretty, like, immediate, pretty spontaneous. Like, babe, I'm going for a walk. Like, it, there was, the way I said it, there was no invitation. Like, join me for this walk. It wasn't that kind of walk. It was, I'm going for a walk, and I'm just going to talk with the Lord. And I just, I, I walked for 48 minutes, according to my Apple Watch. It, it timed me. And I just talked to the Lord, and I, I listened for a bit, but I just had a lot to share, and I had a lot, a lot to call out. Thank God for his creation. You know, you and I are his creation, but we're not the one that heals. We're not the one that saves. We're not the one that delivers. We're not the Savior. I thank God for nature, and I thank God for beauty. But that's not where we run for help. The mountains, or a friend, or a parent, a drug, an escape, a sponsor, 
a retreat, a vacation. These things are all just temporary. And, and, and I'm thankful for vacations, and I'm thankful for parents, and I'm thankful for, for sponsors and all the things that, that have a place in our life. But they're never going to provide us with the truest help, protection, counsel, and peace. That comes from the Lord. And that only comes from the Lord. So we're gonna we're gonna skip two chapters ahead. We're gonna we're gonna read stay in we're gonna stay in Psalm one twenty blank. So we're Psalm one twenty one. We're gonna look two chapters ahead, and I want you to look to pick up on a a theme, a pattern that that the author writes here. So we're in chapter one twenty three, verse one. Now, God, to you I lift up my eyes. O you who are enthroned in heaven. Church, if we really want to find help, the first thing we got to do is lift up our eyes. That's very true. We got to lift up our eyes. We have to take our eyes off of circumstance and situation and the difficulty and the fight and the storm, and we've got to lift our eyes. And we saw in, in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Okay? It's a start. It's, it's a good start. But it's not our landing place. I, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Is this where my help comes from? What I love about it is this is actually a question posed to the Lord. And the Lord loves good questions. He loves questions. I even think he likes the bad questions. He just likes questions. He likes dialogue. He likes it when we invite him into our thought and, and what we're going through. Is this where my help comes from? This gives the Lord an opportunity to say, my boy, Mark, I'm where your help comes from. My girl, I'm where your hope comes from. And here we see, God, to you I lift up my eyes. There has to be a point when we look past the mountains and to the one who is enthroned on high, higher than the mountains. We have to look Beyond the bigness. Now the mountains, you know, staying with this metaphor, they can be they can be good. I've been using them in a good way, but that mountain can also be bad in this same metaphor. We look to the mountains, we look to the difficulty. Sometimes there are things in our life that are so consuming that all we see is that mountain, and we don't see a way around it, and we don't see a way through it. And what happens when we don't see a way around it? Hope, man, it just fades. Like hope just vanishes. And we find ourselves hopeless. We have to look beyond the mountains to Jesus, enthroned on high, seated at the right hand of the Father. I when I when I imagine this, I see him relaxed. It's like I've got a couple of recliners. I got one up in in my bedroom, and that's like Sunday morning, I get my recliner, and I recline, and I'm comfy, and that's where I go through my messages. Then we got one down in my office. I'm kind of spoiled, I know, but I like to recline. I like to see Jesus on his throne reclining. He's like, no, I got this. He's not up there antsy. He's not up there um, scatterbrained. He's not up there just disheveled. He's up there. He said it's finished. He took a seat next to the Father. And we just have to trust in him. 
Far too often we look to the mountains of circumstance and we never look beyond those hills to our mighty God. Far too often we look to something else that's big. Maybe it's a big obstacle, but maybe it's a big dream. It's a big dream that we, we say, if only this, then I'd be at peace. If only this, if only I had more money, if only I have a, had a better job, if only, Lord, you would smite my boss. Lord, would you, oh, smiter of bosses, Lord, would you smite my boss? Which, he's, he's not a smiter of bosses. He's a, maybe the Lord, something to learn there, I don't know. Smite my teacher. He's not going to smite your teacher. If only this happened, then I would be at peace, right? Sometimes we set in our mind, if only this happened, I'd be good. I think in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not true. We are called to walk daily in faith. There, there's two words that are you know, predominantly used for our salvation. One of them is the word justification, and the other one is sanctification. And justified means just as I am. I have been justified by the work of Jesus Christ in my rotten filthy, sinful state, when I, when I looked to the Lord and I said, believe, save me, and I called out to him, at that moment we were justified. We were saved. Justification took place. And then there's that other word, sanctification, which means we have to walk dependent on the Holy Spirit walking out our life. It's not like a one and done. It's not like a, okay, I'm good, now everything's hunky-dory. Hunky-dory is an old word. Sorry, you don't probably don't even... Everything is good. Everything is great. Everything's chocolate and roses and, and puppy dogs and baby's breath. We have to walk it out. We have to walk it out with a dependency on the Holy Spirit. And there's times that walk we're going to feel exhausted. And there's times in that walk we're going to fall. And there's times in that walk, man, we're going to crush it. We're going to feel so strong that we'll be able to link arms with others and, and help them in their journey. And there's times that that role is going to get reversed. And you're going to be the weak one. You're going to be the one in need. And someone's pointing you to Jesus and sustaining you. But we have to walk it out with dependence upon the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we say, God, if you would only do this. Now, please hear me. We say, God, if you would only do this, then I'd know that you're true and just and good. And, and then I will follow you. If you only do this, then I'll be devoted to you. Backwards. That's not the way it works. It'd be nice if it, maybe it'd be nice. Probably not. But it's not the way it works. The way it works is trust me, walk with me, devote yourself to me, and every step of the way you will see my faithfulness, says the Lord, but in a, in a way that maybe you didn't think it was his faithfulness. And there, there are things we walk out that seem exhausting at the time, and we fail to see that that exhausting walk did endurance in us. And if we hadn't walked out that difficult thing, we wouldn't have the endurance we have now. There are things we walk out, and it's full of, of thorns and thistles, and it's just an and, and it, that road, that leg of the road seems to lack beauty. 
But when we get through that, we see, we have a new appreciation for things that are beautiful and lovely and true. And the Lord says, put your mind and your eyes on these things. See that I am good. Psalm 123, verse 2 says that next verse. Behold, as the eyes of the servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he is gracious to us. We, we see the, the hand of the master, the hand of the mistress. What does that represent? What is, what is the hand of the master? What is the hand of the mistress? It represents strength and power and provision. And it says, just as the servant looks to the one above him for strength and for provision and, and for, for help, it says, so our eyes look to the Lord until he is gracious to us. I, I just find this incredibly interesting because, you know, I think a lot of times we think, so we look to the eyes of our Lord because he is gracious to us, right? Oh, we look to our God because he's gracious to us. But here we see we look to the Lord until he is gracious to us. Man, I, I, I love I, I love my life. I love where I live. I love living in America. I, I fly the flag on my house. I wear shirts with American flags on. I love being an American. But I'm telling you, we, we, there's times we've developed this um, American Christianity that includes like a microwave Christianity where we want it now. We want, Lord, I, I gave you money. I threw 20 bucks in the offering, Lord. I want, I want it now. You're like a vending machine, aren't you, Lord? I want my Dr. Pepper now. And it sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds ridiculous. And I'm, I'm trying to sound a little ridiculous. But friends, we, we're, we're not, there's times we're not too far off. Lord, I've done this for you. Why haven't you answered? Lord, I've walked with you here. Why haven't you responded? Lord, I've been faithful to you. Why haven't you been faithful to me? I'm telling you guys, if we will allow ourselves to think about it, all of us have, have at times had this entitled Christianity where we think, Lord, what's in it for me? Christ is my reward. Jesus Christ is your prize. He is our reward. Do we really need to ask, Lord, what's in it for me? Do we really need to pose that question to the one who washed away our sins? The one who looked at us and said, where are your accusers, Lord? Well, I see none, Lord. He's like, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Anyone want to take a guess at what the most common creation of the Lord is that we look to for strength, that we look to for power, that we look to for provision? The most common creation is right here. Right? Not, not me, not Mark. Not, like, you do this. It's this right here. We look to ourselves. We look to ourselves for strength. I just got to be strong. I got to be strong for me, and I got to be strong for my wife, and I got to be strong for my kids, and I got to be strong for my little dog Stella, and I got to be strong for everybody. That's a lie. 
in this relationship, he's the weak one, or he's the strong one, I'm the weak one. I'll say that again. He's the strong one, I'm the weak one. What about, what about provision? Looking to myself for provision. Man, what a trap that is to think that I'm the provider. Because what does that lead to? Well, if I, just go, if I work harder and if I put in more hours and I do 60 hours a week, that lacks faith, man. And I love, I love work. I, I really enjoy work. I love working up a sweat. I mean, I, I like hard work. I just do. But it's a trap. If I start thinking I'm the provider and I'm the source, that leads to exhaustion and burnout and We look to the Lord until he is faithful, until he is gracious, until we see his provision. Because you know what? There's times what you think should be the timetable for God's provision and his grace and his faithfulness is not God's timetable. The timetables don't match up. I know we love the 60 seconds, like the whole microwave thing. But there's times the Lord's like, match up. We ask the Lord a question. We ask the Lord for something, and he can answer one of three ways. I mean, he's God. He can answer like infinite ways. But in my experience, he answers one of three ways. Yes, here you go, bud. You ask for it. Here you go. You ask for a tissue. Here you go. Here you go. Yes. Lord, can I have a tissue? No. Or not yet. That's, that's probably most common in my experience. Not yet. Lord, I just want you to take the pain away. Not yet. There's valuable things I'm teaching you in the midst of this pain. I'm teaching you to lean on me in this pain. I'm teaching you to look to me in this pain. Not yet. Back to verse 2. So our eyes look to the Lord until he is gracious to us. And then listen to this vulnerability. Listen to this humility and this vulnerability. Listen to this, and, and this could just be a conversation among two friends or with a, with a young person to their parents. Or It's so relational. So our eyes look to the Lord until he is gracious to us. Be gracious to us, O Lord. Be gracious to us. And then here's the vulnerability. Because we are greatly disrespected. We are greatly wounded. We're told we're worthless. We're told we have no value. That's what contempt. We're, we're greatly filled with contempt. Our soul, that's our mind, our will, our emotions, is greatly filled with the scoffing of those who are at ease and the contempt of the proud. Friends, we look to the Lord first, and then we look to the Lord second, and then we look to the Lord third, and then we look to the Lord fourth, and then we look to the Lord fifth, and sixth, and seventh. Funny thing about faithfulness, faithfulness requires that we're faithful, even when we're not faithful, even when we're not faithful. Even when our, when our faith wanes, even when our strength wanes, even when we fall on the journey, we get up, and that is what? Faithfulness. And we say, Lord, I, I lost track of you. 
screen. Okay, just still going okay, I guess. Worship's pretty, it's a pretty um, vulnerable thing. A lot of dudes aren't real comfortable in worship. I was talking with, with some of the guys. I'm like, who's that, who's that behind me that's worshiping, that's belting out those songs? And both these guys are like, yeah, yeah, that was me. They both took credit. I'm like, I love it. I love it. I love worship. A lot, a lot of dudes aren't comfortable in worship. And maybe, I mean, I don't know, guys. Maybe it's because your voice is real, real bad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But dude, go for it anyway, man. Go for it anyway. But more likely, it's because we don't like the vulnerability. Right? We don't like to sing, uh, all I want is you, is you. And we're singing that to Jesus. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty vulnerable. That's pretty intimate, right? You look throughout this when I'm reading, there's intimacy. Because it's not just supposed to be this, this God um, creation, us being that creation, this God creation interaction there's supposed to be a relationship there this is not about religion this is about you know i know you and you know me and we talk and we commune and i and i i can dump on you and you encourage me and you never bail on me even when i give you my hardest junk and even when i go for that 48 minute walk and i don't say anything positive it was all junk for 48 minutes and you look at me and you're like I, I got more time lord i'm tired no i got more time for you my boy i got more time for you my son i'm here i'm listening it's not religion, it's relationship. I mentioned the pattern. I want to point out that pattern real quick. We saw in Psalm 121, 123, and then in a minute we're going to jump to, to Psalm 125. Psalm 123, we see our own uncertain efforts for help. And we say, perhaps it will be found in the biggest thing in my world, the mountain. So Psalm 121 said, 121, one said, I will lift my eyes up to the mountain. From where shall my help come? Then we see in Psalm 123, we've already had that act of looking up, of taking our eyes off of self and looking upward and looking for answers. And then we see, we look beyond the mountains the one enthroned in the heavens. So Psalm 123, 1, God, to you I lift up my eyes, not just to the mountains, to you, O you who are enthroned in heaven. And now let's read the first two verses of Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. The Lord saying, those of you who trust in me, you're like the holiest of mounts. You're like the most symbolic, like spiritually symbolic of mountains. Mount Zion. I think there's a lot of truth through there, and I, I can't say I have the full grasp on it. But there we were just searching, looking to the mountains for help, and he's saying, if you will trust in me, you will be unshakable. 
you will trust in me, you will be that majestic thing that stands out on the landscape. If you'll look to me and if you'll trust me, you'll be a thing that maybe others will look at and that then you can lift their eyes to me. The Bible says, let your good works be seen before man so that your Father in heaven can be glorified. If someone looks to me, because I'm trusting the Lord, they look to me as a, as a mountain, man, I, I'm thankful for that because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to point them to Jesus every time. It's not about me. I got nothing else to offer you except for Jesus. Kara said it tonight or today. Welcome to Impact Rock Church. We have nothing else to offer you except for Jesus, but we will offer that freely every single time. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. If we will trust the Lord again and again and again and again. You guys, this isn't that, that microwave, that, that vending machine mentality of Christianity. I'm not talking about, okay, Lord, I trust. I trust in you. So now I should be unshakable. It's an act of I will trust you again and again and again and again. And when I don't see the results, I will continue to trust you and I will continue to walk. Man, I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love the story of the, of the three Hebrew men thrown into the fiery furnace. And I love what they said because it, it, I'm like, I relate to that. They're like, our Lord, our God, will save us and deliver us from this fiery pit. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow the knee to you. Even if he doesn't, we will not besmirch his name. Because I love that. Like, God's going to save the day. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, and even if he doesn't do it the way that I think it should be done, I will still praise Jesus. Those who trust in the Lord, we hear this in Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord will become unshakable through the Lord. Next verse, as the mountains surround Jerusalem. Again, the, the, the imagery of the mountains. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forever and ever. It started with a cry for help in 121. It started with a, with a look up. Does my help come from the mountains? And it ends with this. The Lord surrounds his people just as mountains surround Jerusalem. The Lord surrounds those who will trust in him. So who are God's people? Those who trust in him those who believe in him, those who cry out to him, those who, who let him graft us into the vine that he is and the family tree that he is, we're his. I want to, when you read that word abides, 
in Psalm 125.1, it said, it cannot be moved, but abides. And it, it took my mind to John 15. It, and, and so I, I want to close with that, with that scripture. Because that's what we're to do. We're to remain. We're to abide. John 15, 4 and 5 says this. Jesus is talking. He's talking to his followers. And he says, abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I don't know how. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to just bring this this next point alive in your heart. This is not about religion. This is not about religion. This is not being really, really good. That's not what this is about. If you're really, really, really good in me, Holy says, if you'll abide, abide in me, if you'll remain in me, if you'll stay with me. There's times we're not really good. There's times we're we're jerks or there's times we we blow it there's times we open our mouth and negativity comes out and curse comes out and we're not always good and jesus didn't say if you remain in me then you're good he says remain in me and i'll tell you this right now guys we can't bear fruit outside of remaining in christ we can't walk away and then clean ourselves up really really good and make ourselves smell really really nice put that nice pink ribbon in our hair or beard and then say now I'll come back to you he says you can't bear fruit apart from me you can't bear fruit apart from me abide in me remain in me God wants our lives intertwined with him he wants to be there for the good, the bad, the ugly. He wants our lives intertwined. He knows who you are. He knows who I am. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses. He even knows the next time we're going to blow it. Which I'm not going to say which one, but for one of you, it's 17 minutes from now. He knows. And he says, remain in me, abide in me. I'm going to pick back up in this passage next week in John 15, if you want to read, read ahead. And I'm going to see that the only way for, uh, and I'm going to unpack it, the only way for us to truly obey his commands is love. It's a loving relationship. It's, it's motivated by love, not by good works, not by our actions, not by our self-discipline, which all those things are good. I mean, we should have good actions and, and we should have self-discipline, but that's not the thing that brings about fruit being grafted into him and loving him. So God is good. Um, I'll leave us with this blessing and then um, and then I just hope you have just the most amazing day just knowing that, that you're loved. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. He loves you. Go in his love and, and go in his faithfulness.